welcome back to another episode of What the HR, an award-winning podcast. I'm Jesse Novi. And I'm Mike Toole. The What the HR podcast explores how to build people-centric businesses through modern practices and approaches. New episodes are released frequently, so don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any episodes. Welcome back to another episode of What the HR. Today, we're joined by John Peebles, who is the CEO of Administrate, which is an innovative training management platform for enterprise learning and development operations. They serve hundreds of organizations and millions of learners across the globe. Administrate enables training teams to organize, plan, deliver, automate, analyze, and scale enterprise training operations all from a single system. Prior to Administrate, John helped found Fort Lauderdale-based Century Data Systems, where he served as Chief Information Officer and VP of Operations while it grew to more than $30 million in revenue within five years. He is passionate about education, teamwork, technology, and mental health in the workplace and often speaks on these subjects around the world. So we were fortunate enough to have John on the podcast to talk a little bit about learning platforms in the workplace, um, specifically with kind of a focus on generations and talking about how organizations should be thinking about their um, learning and development teams, how they're delivering learning and development, especially as um, as we're considering Gen Z, our latest generation to enter the workforce. And then we also talk quite a bit just about administrate and its value that it provides organizations and L&D teams. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. As always, if you're loving our podcast guests and our topics, please do us a huge favor. Head on over to your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and review. Those rating and reviews go such a long way to ensure that our podcast episodes are getting in front of other HR professionals and business leaders. Thank you so much for being a listener and enjoy the episode. All right, John, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, easy way of getting started for the audience. Uh, can you tell everybody a little bit about, about yourself, your background, and what you're doing today? Sure. So I like to lead with the fact that uh, originally I was a software engineer, and I went in to get a computer science degree in 1999, and it was like this amazing time to go in as a programmer. The Matrix was in the theaters and you know all this stuff. The dot-com boom was in full swing. And then I graduated in 2003, and it was like the middle of the, the biggest bust ever for, for software engineers. And there's even a West Wing episode where they talk about how there will never be any programming jobs available in Western countries ever again. It's all going to be offshore to China and India. And, and, you know, that hasn't aged very well, which I think we're all happy about. But I started my career as a, as a software engineer. And then through a couple of different routes, found myself in a healthcare startup that grew very quickly uh, based in South Florida. And we did a very niche within a niche of pharmacy transaction processing. So if you went and got your prescription filled at a CVS, we'd be some back office process that would happen. And it's not really important what we did, but what was important was training because it was highly regulated. It was a new market and we had to do lots and lots of training and that kind of fell under my remit. And as I tried to scale the training and get our customers trained and our partners and our employees 
it was very, very difficult. And so that unsolved problem kind of led me to administrate eventually, which was basically training infrastructure for large companies. And uh, so I'm pretty passionate about that that challenge. Uh, I've seen it impact companies that I've been with and, and their growth. And if you can get it right, it can be this huge force multiplier. But if you if it if you're struggling with it, it can be a, a real handbrake on uh, on your growth. So that's that's kind of my journey to administrate. Mm-hmm. Well, and they don't make movies like The Matrix anymore. I will say that <laughs> for sure. Um, just to say something. I just wanted you to expand on administrate just a little bit more so our listeners yeah. can kind of understand um, what you all do over there. Yeah, so administrate, we like to say, is infrastructure for large training organizations. And when I say that, people's eyes kind of glaze over. And I tell my mom it's boring business software, right? But what where we get excited about it is if you picture the typical large Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 company, they have tens of thousands of employees or partners or customers they want them to be trained. And actually, 80% of training in corporate America today is still done in a classroom, whether it's a virtual classroom or you know, some sort of lab environment or whatnot. It's still done. If you really want people to know how to do their jobs and you really want the high value impact from your training, you're going to do it in a classroom. And unfortunately, there's a lot of learning management systems out there. There's 1,200 or 1,300 at last count. They're all really great products. They do a great job with e-learning, but this classroom training kind of operational piece has been overlooked. And that's where we got our start, which is helping these organizations get everything out of the heads of people that are administering these classes at scale and get it into a computer and have the platform start to help you with decision support and decision making and scheduling. Because if you can imagine scheduling one class with 50 students and two instructors at two different locations that might be two weeks long and have 20 different sessions, that's annoying enough if you're doing it once. But if you start to do this hundreds of times over the next few months and years, it can be really, really laborious. And most of our customers just use spreadsheets before they had to administrate. And most of the industry uses spreadsheets to manage this classroom training. And that's the problem that we initially started out to solve. And I think we've done a pretty good job at that. Mm-hmm. So, so you guys are actually working more in the on-site space, essentially. Uh, not as much uh, remote learning. It There is still a lot of remote learning. So a lot of these classrooms are virtual, Teams, Zoom, what have you. Uh, there's a lot of hybrids. So some will be on site, some will be virtual. And there's obviously blended modalities as well. So people are layering in e-learning where it makes sense. It's just that when you think about a factory, uh, one of our customers, Maersk, out in uh, Denmark, you know, they're trying to train people to evacuate helicopters and oil rigs and things like that. You really need a hands-on experience. And they've promised me the next time that I visit them, they'll put me in one of their uh, helicopters that they have suspended mm-hmm. above a pool. They'll set it on fire and drop it, drop me into the uh, tank, and I'll and I'll have to escape because that's one of the classes that they do. So it's wow. it's things like that when you when you really start thinking about the breadth of training that's out there. Yeah. So I when we originally kind of connected on this, I know it was around a little bit of kind of Gen Z, I, I guess the different generations and how they learn. And I mean, I think when I think the younger generation, you think more digital mobilization and things like that. So can you talk a little bit about how, um, I guess, whether it's millennials or Gen Z or baby boomer, boomers, Gen X, like is the on-site in, in your mind 
is there any pushback that you're seeing within these companies on on doing these things or like what what's the vibe within these fortune you know 100 companies in terms of getting more people on site for these trainings you know it's interesting and i'll just put it out there i'm technically a millennial <laughs> i think i'm mm-hmm. the very last year or something so i just snuck snuck right in there but i i think what we have always tried to to preach to customers and and people out there in the industry is choose the right tool for the right job right and mm-hmm. you know i think for a long time when e-learning was just getting off the ground and web-based training was a thing and then it was moving to the cloud and all that stuff there's a lot of distance you can cover with e-learning and it's a great way to refresh things to prep work and you know train on a lot of different topics but i think it's just you still need classroom intervention for a lot of different types of training. It's even things like, you know, soft skills and stuff that you might think, well, we could just do that online role play and, you know, bonding with peers. And if you're in a cohort that got hired in a company and you want to do a good job meeting those people and so forth, there's no real substitute. And so the challenge has always been though, if you are Dell, for example, one of our customers, they're responsible that the team that that we interface with is responsible for training 60,000 salespeople globally. How mm-hmm. do you actually bring those people into classrooms at scale? It's very, very difficult. And so I think because of that challenge, what has happened is there's been this over indexing on e-learning as a mo- modality and a medium. And we've left some of the stuff that would better be served by a classroom maybe behind, or if we're doing it, it's very, very expensive and and time consuming. So I think it's just about figuring out on any given path of learning or or sequence of training, there's going to be stuff that's great at e-learning. There's going to be stuff that's great that distance wise, synchronous via Zoom or whatever. And then there's going to be stuff that just you want to get your hands on whatever it is and, and do it in a classroom with your peers. Yeah, I'd love to unpack that a little bit on what you have seen as what's more critical in terms of in-person versus e-learning. I'm thinking in my mind, you know, sexual harassment training, you know, ethics, compliance, those things may be done online. Maybe not, but I'm just thinking and then more like on the job, critical skills, maybe in person. Is that a good assumption or what have you seen? That That is what we typically see. I would just say one layer to that is I think that we have seen, you know, with, with our own company that some of those more difficult, touchy subjects like sexual harassment awareness or whatever, that can often benefit from a classroom environment or a group discussion environment. And there can be really meaningful learning that can happen from your peers, not just the instructor and the materials. And I would I would just say that you know, one of those things that we try to try to emphasize is it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And so maybe start with a class and do your refresh, you know, on, you know, odd years with e-learning and on even years you you refresh in a class, that type of thing. But for sure on the job training, you know, where you're sitting there and you're performing a task and somebody's watching you and they, you know, what is it? The learn one, teach one, do one, or is it the other one? Learn one, do one, teach one. Uh, that That is, there's no substitute for that, particularly for on-the-job training. That's what we tend to see uh, out there in the industry. Mm-hmm. How about through COVID? I'm, I mean, has have you felt like on-site training has come back a little bit more now? And I'm, I'm assuming it took a little bit of a backseat there for a while. 
For, for sure. What we saw, which was really interesting to us, is during COVID, you had this need to flip the training online almost instantaneously with no real warning or planning. And what we we just didn't know, right? We just didn't know whether classroom training would be over or done or or, or whatnot. But what we found was that getting it into a Teams or Zoom kind of environment, that was the big lift. And and thankfully, customers that you know that had our infrastructure could do that pretty much with a push of a button. And I think in the aftermath, it's been kind of like the the idea of working from home. People like a mix, and it and the all or nothing approach doesn't seem to be super popular. Um, however, I will say that a lot of the the training that requires really deep concentration, or if it's regulated, or you know if it's medical or you know, life or death type training, it seems like that has disproportionately gone back into a classroom that's physical and and synchronous, and everybody's there. Um, whereas some of the other training has kind of stayed out uh, in, in the, the virtual sphere. One thing that blew my mind, and this was before the pandemic, was we actually have a customer who's a the software company, Fordrock. They're in the identity management space. And they, for their customer training, they actually started charging more for the virtual classroom experience Right. Because they were like, well, you don't have to fly in and you don't have to spend money on hotels and all this stuff. And that that really surprised me. But they were very successful with that. I'm not sure it's carried over since the pandemic, but it, you know, it's, it's kind of those those ways of thinking that I think are really interesting when you've got the flexibility to mix and match. Yeah, that's really interesting. And the fact that it they demonstrated that it worked. You know, people are like, I value being in the comfort of my own home, not having to travel, not having to sleep in a hotel room. So I'll pay a premium for that flexibility. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm curious, you know, as organizations are thinking about various generations, specifically focusing on Gen Z, knowing that that is our newest generation to hit the workforce, how should um, organizations that do offer learning and development, whether it be onboarding or ongoing, you know, career advancement opportunities, be thinking about this generation um, and pivoting or not pivoting based on, you know, their current learning and development model. Yeah, I, I, we we think about this a lot, uh, not even just for our product and our customers, but for our own organization, right? So uh, we, we've grown a lot. We're, we're still growing very quickly. And that means bringing on a lot of great people that in some cases it's their first job. And in other cases, I was talking to to somebody just the other day and I was like, you know, best conference I ever went to is Pearl Jam. And they're like, who? And I was like, <laughs> no way. I knew this day would come. Right. But I just didn't expect it to be with Pearl Jam. And, and you know, when I was 42. So while they um, wore their Nirvana shirt, probably that they don't know what song they sing either. Yeah, it was just and and then, of course, me, me being all on my high horse about this, I, I got asked by a friend who's in their 70s to go watch The Who the other night here in Edinburgh. And he's listening off all these bands and I'm like, what? And he's just like, you know, beside himself. So this is just a cycle. Right. Um, but we think about this a lot. And I I kind of think that over the next 10 to 15 years, and, and we're probably already living this, we just don't realize it as much. But I think you, we've got this cohort of people 
where they have grown up using very, very slick, polished, you know, direct-to-consumer apps. They have grown up with iPhones. They have grown up with Netflix on the go. They've grown up with these, you know, calm apps for meditation and note-taking apps and so forth. And then it's kind of this very disappointing slash maybe rude awakening when they get the land of enterprise software, right? Or they they join a big company and it's like, wow, this stuff is not very slick anymore. And actually it's it's difficult to use and it looks ugly and antiquated. And I had a little bit of that when I got into the, you know, when I started my career because we were in the transition away from mainframe green screen type stuff to, to nice user interfaces or nicer. And I remember that being super jarring because you, you left college using Windows 97 and then you get, plunked onto this terminal and it's like here you go so i think i think that the expectation higher these days uh from a lot of different directions and that's a challenge for folks that are you know trying to to craft a, a great experience for learners that that draws them back in you know and and i think it's something that that we need to you know we need to really think about over the next five to ten years when you're making your tech choices how are we going to kind of bring the bar up to to what people are just used to day to day in their own personal lives mm -hmm. so i'm I'm kind of curious a little more on like the actual administrate solution that you guys have is it is that being used by the employees as well like is that a platform for both learners and teachers essentially so there's three audiences of learners that customers tend to use administrate to serve uh, the first, and this is no particular order, actually, the first are employees. So some customers buy us to to really push learning out to their internal workforce. Uh, some it is partners where they might have a dealer network or some huge right. partner channel that they want to make sure is certified. And some it's their their own customers. And often what happens is we come in kind of on one angle, like customer training, and then we'll move into another angle like employee training. And they're very different use cases, but the same platform will, will work for, for any of them. Mm -hmm. And where we sit is most learners for, for our customers have no idea that we even exist <laughs> because they'll never see or touch a piece of the, the administrate software itself. And the reason for that is most of our customers, these large companies, they'll have multiple learning management systems, they'll have an LXP, they'll have stuff that they've cobbled together for whatever reason. And our job really is to support the back office function to integrate with those with those products as and in, in when is appropriate. And sometimes we we have some things that we can surface to learners, but that's not really what what we're about. We're trying to make the get, give these training teams a system of record that can be that central point for everything to plug into, and then help them run analytics and and all kinds of things that they can't do right now because it's all siloed in spreadsheets. Gotcha. So it's it, so your system is actually grabbing whether it be attendance or complete you know completed courses, things of that nature too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, and okay. and what what we like to see is get all the learning products integrated. And that's a good first step. But then let's go one step further and integrate with the main business system. So if you're a manufacturer, you might be running you know, an MRP solution like SAP or Dynamics or whatever. Or if you're a software company, it'll be a CRM. But how do we get the data about the business into administrate in in a way that the training team can access it so that the training team can now say, look, 
we are seeing elevated manufacturing errors on this part of the, the factory. And mm. we want to get after it and solve that problem. Who Who is there? When were they last certified? Not in like a blaming way, but like maybe even is an instructor out of date. And we're seeing that a pattern here is emerging where a bunch of these students have had the same instructor and they're they're struggling on the assembly line. And, and, and what happens that's super exciting for us and is very powerful for these businesses is that by putting the training team on the, the front foot, it really changes the d- dynamic. And now the, the training team and the training organization is on is on the driving side of the business. And they're not just on this cost kind of, you know, oh, we've got to do some training side of the business. And, and that's what we really like to see. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I work every day with customers. I mean, we have an LMS, so I, I understand that side of it. But I do see a lot of pain points is is that a lot of people train and track trainings very differently across a lot of different industries. And so it, it sounds like, and not every LMS, there's always something that it doesn't have, it seems like, around reporting or tracking, whatever that may be. So it sounds like what you guys have in place is something that can kind of centralize these things and then bring about these analytics to get to some of the, the things that, quite honestly, most LMSs probably can't do. Yeah. And I mean, it's like you're asking LMSs to store all this data that they have never stored before. It's not it's not really what they're they're there for. And I think what what has been really interesting for us is, you know, me just geeking out for a second, like we we wanted to build our tech. So it was easy to integrate with. Right. And so we had this API first platform first philosophy to, to building stuff. And we thought it was the right technical decision and made me really happy and I could geek out and, and whatever. But what we realized was over the last few years, because we'd invested in this developer experience, we started seeing customers say, hey, we do actually want to try to get this Gen Z millennial learner more involved and more interested. And we want to put an interface out there, whether it's embedded with our product or whether it's out somewhere that, you know, their phone or, you know, because they're not always behind a, a screen, you know, necessarily. And they started leveraging our API to build out these experiences that we were never going to do and and are very tailored to them. But by doing that, they they don't have to incur all the maintenance burden and all the frustration of building all this stuff from the ground up. They can ride on top of our platform and then they can get that experience that really resonates with their with their workforce or their partners or the customers. And that's been really mm-hmm. interesting to see. So uh, to move back a little bit, we were talking about the on-site, um, which I, I like talking about because it feels like we're just going back a little bit, right? We're always talking about digital, you know, digitalizing everything and doing everything on your phone. So I, I like this in-person concept, not concept, but idea. Um, I'm, I'm curious, and to be clear for the audience, dude, Gen Z is what I, th- I, th- I looked it up. I think it's like 1997 to 2010, right? Somewhere in that in that age range. So have have you heard from customers or do you have experience to kind of talk to how the Gen Z generation feels about onsite learning? Like, because we kind of assume that they want everything right there on their phone because that's what they were born with. But I'm curious, like what the results are or what maybe our Gen Z asking for more in person yeah, it's 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 really interesting. So I don't have any specific insight into any of the the generations in particular. However, I will say that our customers 
kind of resoundingly report back that when it makes the right, when it's the right thing to do, right, in the right kind of setting and for the right, you know, course and so forth, that everyone cutting across all age ranges, demographics, whatever, prefers the in-classroom experience to sitting on a Zoom call or doing the e-learning. And there's a whole bunch of reasons behind that, but a lot of it revolves around, you know, you've got a peer group then that you're in the, the classroom with, that kind of instructor interaction before and after, the fact that you're not closing the door on those other modalities, so you can still do e-learning, but at least then, you know, uh, <laughs> my 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 guy 72 is is there's a face behind that, right? Instead of just a username, and 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 things like that, I think really resonate, and we've just found that most customers really really believe that that the classroom training is the most effective by a mile way of getting the message and, and the the outcomes out there that they want. However, the corresponding kind of correlation to that is it's also by far like orders of magnitude much more difficult to deliver that type of classroom experience. And so they're kind of stuck because they know this is the right thing to do in these situations, but it's very difficult and time consuming and actually one of the most interesting things for me is as companies get larger, it takes more staff to train the same number of learners than when they're, they're smaller. Mm-hmm. So like you yeah. have like negative scale, you know, and, and that is really terrifying if you're a CLO or, you know, in charge of this, this budget to see that we got to, in order to train more, we got to hire even more. Um, and so figuring out the, the the solution to that challenge is is something that that I think is really important, and that's that's kind of what we're we're trying to do with with these customers. Yeah, Jess, I'm I'm actually curious since you're in more of an HR role, um, obviously than me, and I, I guess what I've noticed is it seems like in person training has has gone down quite a bit, um, and I don't know if that's just my experience or if that's common, but are are you guys doing a lot of in-person trainings, Jess? Or like, I, I'd love to know kind of your experience as well. Yeah, it's been kind of 50-50. Um, we, we, I can only speak to my employer. I don't feel comfortable, you know, speaking broader to the Gen yeah. Z organization. But what, what we've heard from our employee base and also what we've heard from Gen Z applicants that are being considered for positions that we're hiring for. And and this is more broad to just training and development, but it's that they are interested in getting into an office. You know, this, you know, I kind of think back to when I was a new grad entering the workforce, it was important to me to make friends at work. You know, it was important for me to have a community at work. Um, I probably didn't live in a place at that point in time that was like conducive to a work from home type setting, you know, whether you're still living at home with your parents or you're in like a small apartment or something of that nature and you kind of just want to get out. And we are hearing from this generation, again, just specific to my employer, we're hearing from this generation that they want that same experience. You know, they want to get out of their homes. They want to be in an office. They want to go to happy hours. They want to go out to lunch with friends. And that is, um, 
also also aligns to their learning and development desires as well too. But I think mm-hmm. to a lot of the points that John has made, when it comes to online self-paced learning, their expectations of what that experience is like is much different than what our expectation as you know millennials, boomers, things of that nature, our expectations have been of online self-paced learning in the past. Mm-hmm. And John, I mean, you run a company. Is that pretty similar to uh, if we're talking about your your employees, Ashley? Are you are you kind of having that same experience? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So <laughs> we we found ourselves. So we're we're headquartered in Scotland. That's where I'm based. Uh, and we we do have an office out in the U.S. And what what happened was right before the pandemic, kind of like January of 2020, we were out there looking for new office space for both our U.S. and our our Edinburgh Scotland locations. And so we were down to month-to-month leases and all the stuff. And I was so I grew up in in China. That's where I spent most of my life until I went to university. And so I was, I was seeing some stuff on Chinese Twitter. And I'm like, you know, uh, this this there might be a thing here, you know. And so we were like, let's not sign a lease just yet, right? And and so what happened was, uh, we the lockdown started. We mailed the keys back, put everything in storage. And so we were without, we are still without an office uh, here in Edinburgh. We've reopened in the U.S. There's a bunch of reasons for that. Uh, it's it's difficult. You know, Edinburgh is a, an ancient city, very, very beautiful, lots of incredible old architecture. But that means it's a little bit difficult to find an office for, you know, more than 10 people, for example, because you're all working on these old townhomes and stuff. So we're we're hunting for this. And our workforce is is younger than than probably the norm because we're a software company and and all this stuff and people are just dying to get back into the office not not f- four or five days a week but they want at least the option to go in a couple of days and it's just it's probably the worst thing <laughs> we we're grappling with right now and and I think that when you look at the training that we're trying to do with folks we have a very extensive self-paced, you know, library of training that we put everybody through that we're really proud of. We spent a lot of time and effort on it. But for some of those modules that are really, really important, like the values of the company, which is a class that I love to teach and I, I deliver personally, it's it's just, it's got to be in the classroom. And yeah. we want the interplay and we want the the questions and we want to leave an half an hour buffer at the end to run over if we need to. And, and because those are the really, so if you look at like, what is super valuable? We we tend to do that in classroom uh, training. Yeah. So, so the so other question you, I have, go ahead, Jess, because I'm going to kind of change topics a little bit. So go ahead. Yeah, I just for a minute wanted to just stay on the online self-paced learning track for a minute. Um, so we've we've I think we've kind of touched a little bit on what expectations are, but I'd like to maybe spell it out a little bit more specifically. So, you know, we've kind of touched on things like speed, you know, using examples like Netflix and things like that, um, maybe flexibility, impact. Um, but could we maybe peel apart the layers of those onions a little bit further, John? And could you give some examples of what a um more modern experience might look like or should look like for our Gen Z and beyond learners? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, this is kind of off the off the cuff and, and in no particular order, but I think it even starts with with simple things like logging in, right? So, you know, the the number of 
of LMSs out there and the the learning experiences that I've seen where you have to have a different username and password from your normal one at work. It just starts this friction and then people are like, you know, it's way easier to log into Instagram than it is to to this. And it's just kind of just from the very, very start of being able to actually get logged in. I think it's important to to really think about that experience. And then once they're in, you know, some companies and a lot of a lot of products out there have done a good job of getting, you know, a nice interface and there's cards and all that stuff. But again, it's kind of. I think you need to take one of two roads. It needs to, to either be very professional looking or you need to be self-aware enough to make it kind of terabad, you know, and, and that's what we do in administrate, which is like, we've got the stuff that we've built that we spent a lot of time on that we also, you know, sell and give to our customers. And we want everybody to go through that. And then there's like the stuff like, you know, cultural sensitivity and things like that that are really important to us, but we just don't have the time and money to make it look great. And so it's stick figures and it's memes and things like that. And it's kind of like we're leaning in almost the other way to just very kind of just show that this is, we know that this is not designed, you know, because I think that the difficulty is people lose interest. They, you know, they, they're expecting good production value and not, not everybody's got the time and the the tools to do that all the time. So, you know, I, I think those are important. And then I think the last thing is we, we, we talk about this all the time, which is trying, how do you get training from this push mentality where the training team is saying here are the 19 things that you must do and 12 of them are ordered and you may have a choice, but it may not even be super clear and, you know, it's even very difficult for a lot of large organizations to bubble that stuff up to to a manager, right? So, like, if you have a team of seven or something, do you actually know what they're all supposed to be doing? Can you see that very clearly or whatever? And, and so flipping that script and making it so that you can basically have it where learners log in, they have a very clear picture of what they need to do, and their manager has view of that as well. But then they can also go out there and and find stuff and and move more into that pull model where they're pulling or they're even asking for training about things. That that is that's an important shift. And I think one of the main reasons is not because there's there's a lack of learner facing tools to support that. One of the reasons why that's not common, I think, is because most enterprise training teams do not have enough people. They are overburdened. They are spending a huge amount of time making sure that the right emails are going out at the right times. And, and these classrooms are available and cleaned and set up and all this stuff. And they just do not have the bandwidth to, to kind of think about this and, and, and embrace that flip script, if, if you will. So I think it's a back office problem, not a, not a front office problem. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you said actually kind of leads me into what I was going to ask is that, and that is with administrate, is it helping with any like of the logistics? I imagine that's everybody's remote now, or most companies are are, are pretty remote. So any in-person training is probably dealing with travel and uh, you know hotels and conference rooms. And to your point, you mentioned you know making sure they're clean. So is there does your solution help at all with those? logistics of doing in-person training? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple of different ways that, that will help the, one of the most, one of the, the most mind blowing ways that will help is a lot of 
customers, and I'm laughing, it's not actually a laughing matter. A lot of our customers, when we first get going with them, they have difficulty producing an actual master list of all the courses and trainings that they offer, right? And and that that's not because they're silly or or dumb or anything. It's just because that's that's littered across dozens and dozens of spreadsheets. You know, Egypt is doing something different from China, is doing something different from the US. And so just by like starting that process of standardization of what are the classes that we're that we offer there's there's value that's that's being created but then as we go through the implementation process it's things like okay where you know you can embed checklists alongside any course so if we, you start to run a course these checklists will populate you know tasks into the system and they'll be based on you know four days before the event do this and one day before the event clean it and one day after clean it again you know and, and th- things like that um, resource management, travel, all that, even even kind of moving students through a uh, a workflow on. All right, did you get your visa? Did you buy your plane? T- those types of things, the the system will help them with. And and none of this really feels like learning stuff, <laughs> you know. But and it's it's not really, but it, it's 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 necessary for these things to go well, and it's it's really important, and it's all done in spreadsheets these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, companies invest a lot of time, energy and resources on these trainings. Um, um, it sounds like, I mean, you help get the most out of the trainings that they they put out there, which, I mean, you're kind of protecting that investment to your point, I think. And especially as the younger generation comes in, they expect great results. <laughs> I mean, right. They expect a very professional training, whether that's online or in person. And so if if you do it, I mean, half-ass, you're you're probably not going to see the results that you were hoping for. It's kind of a waste. Yeah, and uh, what's interesting to me is there's there's been a bunch of surveys done on this, and actually the the thing that that learners will will equate most to a high quality training are is the administrative experience that they that they have. So you know if they're getting nice reminders and if they're getting emails with clear instructions and then they're getting a text the morning of and all that stuff that that in their minds translates to a higher quality training all things being equal than than one where that stuff doesn't happen and one of the wonderful things that we're really that we really get excited about is once you remove all that stuff so all those communications get automated and all those checklists get done it's they're out of people's heads they're not worrying about this stuff anymore it's all standardized globally then the training team can actually focus on training again and then the content starts to improve and then the instruction starts to improve and it becomes this virtuous cycle and we tend to see the you know, within the first kind of 18 to 24 36 months you see the training volume start to really rapidly climb because now they can spend the time doing the things that they really need to be doing and and not wasting it on this on this admin effort yeah so before we wrap up Jess I want to ask do you have any other questions or thoughts no i think we're good to wrap up Okay. Awesome. Well, John, thank you for being here. Obviously this is, uh, I, I've never heard of administrate. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> there's so, it's so funny how many pieces of technology there are for things, even behind the scenes, but super crucial things. So I, I hope that the message gets out and, um, cause it sounds like a, a fabulous tool. Can you tell those listening where they can reach you, uh, whether they want to connect with you just to 
you know, network about, you know, learning or Gen Z's or whatever it may be. And then also how they can contact you if they are interested in um, talking to administrate. Yeah, of course. So, you know, my email address is john, J-O-H-N, at getadministrate.com. I give this out on almost every webinar, and it's very rare that somebody actually takes me up on it. So don't be <laughs> shy. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Always happy to connect there. And yeah, if you're interested in kind of seeing what we might be able to do for you as an organization, if you're a training organization struggling with some of this stuff, just go to getadministrate.com. We'd love to get in touch with you. Get on site, you know, because we're big believers and face to face as you probably have <laughs> seen and yeah. uh and talk talk it through and and you know we we love that so awesome well john thank you again for being here we really appreciate it thanks cool. john thank you thank you for listening to this episode of what the hr if you want to hear more episodes like this be sure to subscribe on itunes spotify stitcher or whatever platform you're listening through now If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsherm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.